Hello everyone. One thing we have certainly learned about COVID-19 over the last 18 months is that this disease is a moving target. Whether it be politicians, pundits, or scientists, COVID continues to outsmart them all, creating anger, angst, and frustration for those who place their hope and trust in man's wisdom. So who do we turn to? God. As followers of Christ, we must seek unity and not allow the loudest voices to dictate our response or diminish the peace that knowing Christ affords to all who trust in Him. Romans 12:18 instructs us that if it is possible, as far as it depends on us, to live at peace with everyone. He told us to love our enemies, and those who simply disagree with us over current issues are certainly not our enemies. Don't be deceived by Satan. We shouldn't allow anything to disrupt unity or divide us. Who numbers our days? God. We are all terminal, and our earthly fate is in His hands. But should we do everything within our power to stop the spread of this disease and be healthy? Absolutely. Every day is a gift from God, presenting us the opportunity to bring glory to His name this side of heaven. Nothing about this disease or its devastating effects took our Lord by surprise. The difficulties we encounter in this life are opportunities for each of us to grow and shine, not wither and fade. So let's press forward in faith, giving no quarter to the enemy whose objective is to divide, oppress, distract, and ultimately destroy us. Fellowship Bible Church of Northwest Arkansas will grow stronger through this pandemic. We will not yield to the strategies of the enemy or abandon those ideals found in the scriptures that we firmly believe. May his feeble efforts embolden our faith and fortify our resolve. Let us come together. Psalm 46 reads, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way. God bless you.
Good evening, Mosaic. If you're our guest, we'd like to extend to you a very warm and cordial welcome this August evening, and thank you for choosing to be in the empowering presence of Christ with us tonight. My name is Chip, and on behalf of your friends here at Mosaic, it's a joy and a delight to have you. Um, got a congregational announcement thought we'd share with you tonight. Mosaic, this congregation's been somewhat in transition since November. Uh, there was a church planning team here earlier at the training center at Fellowship this week, and uh, they were talking about just how difficult it is to uh, plan a church in the middle of a pandemic. And we said, well, you ought to try two or three. And uh, Mosaic has helped reboot what's going on at Samaritan Fellowship. I'm, many of you are aware of that. And uh, we've been in transition as far as just our staffing and some of our leadership solutions. And uh, we've come to a decision. And Nick Rowland and his wife Cassie are back on the Mosaic team. Nick's going to step in as congregational lead here at Mosaic. And so we're excited about that. Yeah. And while, while you're offering up applause, I'd like to personally thank Doug Raines, Colin Jackson, and Ryan Chola for handling the transition. You know, our mission here at Fellowship Mosaic is to produce and release spiritual leaders who know and express the authentic Christ to Northwest Arkansas and the world. And we don't make much about staff, but we make much about Jesus and you. Again, to produce and release spiritual leaders, and that's what you are. Here at uh, Mosaic, we define a spiritual leader as a maturing disciple uh, with a kingdom focus. And it's really not about the platform. It's not about the staff. It's about why God's placed you in northwest Arkansas and how we get behind that is wind in yourself. But knowing Nick's going to be on point's a good thing. It's been a challenging week. Our friend Matt Natzel sent around an email earlier this week to some of us it's uh, titled a liturgy for times of widespread suffering, and we definitely have that going on, and this evening we just thought, what better way with all that's going on in the world tonight than to pray? And as we pray now, let's just be still, breathe slowly, recenter our scattered senses upon Emmanuel. For he is with us and in us. Christ our King, our world is overtaken by unexpected calamity, by a host of attending fears, worries, and insecurities. We witness suffering, confusion, and hardship multiplied around us. We find ourselves swept up in these same anxieties, troubles, and we're dismayed by so many uncertainties and now we turn to you oh God in this season of our common distress be merciful oh Christ to those who suffer to those who worry to those who grieve to those who are threatened or harmed in any way by this upheaval let your holy compassions be active throughout the world even now tending to the afflicted comforting the brokenhearted and bringing hope to the many who are hopeless tonight. Use even these hardships to woo our hearts and bring us nearer to you, O God. Indeed, may these days of disquiet become a catalyst for conviction and repentance, for the tendering of our affections, for the stirring of our sympathies, and for the refining of our love. We are your people who are called by you, and we need not be troubled or alarmed. Indeed, O oh Lord, let us love more fearlessly, remembering that you created us and appointed us to live in these very places in the midst of these unsettled times. It's no surprise to you that we are here now, sharing in this turmoil along with the rest of our society. For you have called your children to live as salt and light among the nations, praying and laboring for the flourishing of the communities where we dwell, acting as agents of your forgiveness, salvation, healing, reconciliation, and hope in the very midst of an often troubled world. 
And in these holy vocations, you have not left us helpless, O Lord, because you have not left us at all. Your spirit remains among us and in us. Inhabit your church now, O Spirit of the risen Christ. Unite and equip your people for the work before them. Father, empower your children to live as your children. In times of distress, let us respond, not as those who would instinctively entrench for our own self-preservation, but rather as to those who, in imitation of you, O Lord, would move in humble obedience toward the needs and the hurts of our neighborhoods and our communities. You are not ashamed to share in our sufferings, Jesus. Let us now be willing to share in yours, serving as your visible witness in this broken world. Hear now these words, your children of God, and be greatly encouraged. The Lord's throne is in heaven and is still occupied. His rule is eternal, and his good purposes on this earth will forever be accomplished. So we need never to be swayed by brief and passing panics of this age. You, O Christ, are king of the ages, and history is held in your Father's hands. And we, your people, know the goodness and the glorious end of this story. Our heavenly hope is secure, and in this time of widespread suffering, let us read afresh in the surpassing peace of that vision that your whole church on earth might be liberated to love more generously and sacrificially. And we labor to that end. For your glory and the good of others, we pray. Amen. Mosaic, will you stand and worship with us?
We trust your sacrifice. We trust that by our yes to your sacrifice that we have been adopted into God's family. And we come under the safety and the sealed place that we are sealed already for heaven. And we believe that and we submit to that. And the things that have been stirring in our hearts, fear, anxieties, or worries, grief over the pain that we've witnessed. We lay that at your feet. And we thank you that you hear us and that we're your kids and we can come to you with our pain. So
let ours be the one that magnifies Jesus tonight.
trust your word when you say that this is true. That no matter the circumstance, no matter how deep the mud is that we're standing in, you are great. And your promise is true. You, O oh Lord, hope giver, life restorer, healer. Would you do that? Would you do that in our hearts through your spirit? Would you heal? Would you mend? Would you restore? And little by little, would you bring us closer and closer to your heart so that we can begin to love like you do, to see the world like you do?
Oh Lord, in the season, in this time of, of danger, of unknown, would we be like Daniel? Would we meet with you? And oh Lord, we trust that you will meet us in this place. Amen. You can be seated. Good evening. My name is Doug, and I have the privilege of wrapping up this series that we're doing, this little mini-series on Thy Kingdom Come, where we have been focusing on the mission of the kingdom. Uh, I have really enjoyed this study. It has been uh, just a lot of fun for me to dig into and and to share uh, parts of this with you. And I hope it's been a blessing to you as we've kind of talked about uh, what it means to see the kingdom, the mission of the kingdom move forward. So as we wrap up, let me do a quick review for us. Um, we started by looking at the mission of God as it unfolds through the Bible. And then we looked at the people that God has invited to join him on this mission um, and, and kind of what the role of those people are in, a large, uh, in the large picture. And then last week, uh, we looked at the mission as it specifically ap applies to the church. And then tonight, I'm going to talk about Mosaic on Mission. What does it look like for us? What are we doing? And what are the opportunities in front of us as a body of Christ, as a church, to live on mission? So as we looked at how the story begins and ends of Scripture, we saw that God's plan has always been for mankind to live in a loving, worshipful relationship with him and to fill the earth, over and over he said, fill the earth with people who love and worship him. But then we saw how sin came in and broke creation, broke the relationship between God and man, broke the relationship between, uh, between man and woman, broke the relationship between man and the earth. But sin did not ruin God's plan. He still had a plan and still does have a plan to have an earth full of people who love and worship him. What sin did is it served as a catalyst to launch God's mission. And God's mission is to rescue, redeem, and restore all that sin has broken in his creation. Last week, Will Blanchard took us to a passage known as the Great Commission to see how Jesus co-missioned, joined us to, to join him on the mission, co-missioned his church to join him in multiplying disciples. And so if we look at the big picture of Matthew 28, 19, and, and 20, I think I could summarize it like this. Jesus is telling his disciples, go make disciples to the ends of the earth Till the end of the age. And that is the mission that has been handed to the church from the time that Jesus handed it to them to this very day until the day he returns. So every single church of Jesus Christ has the same mission. Go make disciples to the ends of the earth till the ends of the age. But each body of believers each unique group of people who are connected to one another in a local place. We have our own unique and specific ways of living that out and our own unique and different opportunities to, to live that out. And so I want to start with the commission, but I want to talk about Mosaic on mission. So if you would, turn your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 is where we're going to anchor tonight. And to set the context, um, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, this is the passage of Scripture just before Jesus leaves the earth and goes back to heaven. So it's sometime after he had met with his disciples and given them what we call the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28. And it's right before he leaves. And this is what he says to his disciples. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you 
And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So this is what Jesus tells his disciples just before he goes to heaven. So if Matthew 28, 19, and 20 is the objective of the mission, then what we can see in this passage is the progression of the mission, how it moves forward. And just a quick note, the, the Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 serves as the outline for the whole rest of the book of Acts. As we read the rest of the book of Acts, we see how the disciples were witnesses in Jerusalem, how that witness spread then throughout Judea, how God took them to Samaria, and by the end of the book, they're at the uttermost parts of the earth. To give you a little historical perspective as far as dates, the book of Acts probably ends somewhere around the early to mid-60s AD. By that time, so if Jesus died, we'll call it 33 AD, if Jesus died in 33 AD, within 30 years, the gospel we know by the, by the mid-60s A.D., the gospel had made it all the way to the British Isles in 30 years from Jerusalem. God's always been on mission, and God invites us to be on mission with him. And so what does that look like for us? Well, as I've looked in ministry strategies um, down through the years, and particularly looking at ministry strategies that relate to, to uh, global missions, one of the things I began to see is that every ministry strategy that has been successful has some common principles present. So you find a, a strategy for doing ministry, and if it has a long-term success, you're going to find that there are some common principles. And, some, and I find these principles kind of borne out in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. So real quickly, let me walk you through those. First, every ministry strategy that succeeds in multiplying disciples is dependent on the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when, after, because the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The ability to carry out the mission does not rest in, in our abilities. It does not rest in our talents, in our skills, in our wisdom, in our knowledge, and even in our ability to come up with good strategies. The ability to carry out the mission of God, of multiplying disciples and filling the earth with people who love and worship him, is empowered by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Several years ago, when I was working at another church, I read this, this, I was reading this book and there was a challenge in this book and I took it to the leaders of my church and I said, I have been so convicted by this challenge that I want to share this conviction with you guys because I don't want to bear it by myself. And I sat down with the leaders of my church and I said, here's the question. If God were to reach in and pull the Holy Spirit out of what you're doing, what would change? And you know what my leaders said? In a moment of deep conviction, and we moved into repentance after this, not much. Whether it's your individual witness living out your, your faith in Christ or our corporate efforts to try to, to, to magnify Jesus in the world, if what we're doing is not completely, totally, utterly dependent on the Holy Spirit, then we're not following God's plan and God's strategy. Now, one way this shows up that I've noticed is through prayer. So we've kind of launched this Thy Kingdom Come series all the way back in uh, in January, by, by taking the Lord's Prayer and focusing on that line, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So when we pray that prayer, we are, number one, confessing our dependence upon God. Your kingdom come. We can't make it happen. We are asking him to bring his kingdom. Your will be done. So we are not only confessing our dependence on God, we are submitting to his leading in our lives. There has been no movement of the gospel 
throughout all of history from the beginning in the, in the book of Acts until this day. No movement of the gospel that has not been preceded and supported by ongoing movement of prayer. None. You know what these guys were doing in the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit came? They were praying. They were in an upper room praying. We don't know what to do yet. Jesus said, stay here, and, and we would figure out what to do. He would show us. So you know what they were doing? They were praying and asking God to show them, what do we do? Prayer is not a last-ditch effort to try to figure something out. Prayer is the foundational strategy of the mission of God. And if we're going to live out God's mission, we have to become a people of prayer. We have to be a place that, that is dependent on and expectant in prayer. So the beginning of our strategy is to seek God and ask this question. Not, God, would you bless our efforts? God, what do you want to do? And God, how do we join you in that? So every ministry strategy that succeeds is dependent on the Holy Spirit. Second, every successful strategy for multiplying disciples is grounded in the Word of God. He says that the power, the Holy Spirit comes upon you with power and you will be my witnesses. Don't miss that. What does that mean? My witnesses. Witnesses for him, witnesses of him. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 10 that faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. Jesus said in Matthew 28 that part of this going out and making disciples is to teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. Where do we find the commands of Christ? In the word of God. So while part of our witness is our own personal testimony, even that must be grounded in the word of God. We are witnessing to the truth of who Christ is and what he has done. Third, every successful strategy for multiplying disciples engages God's people. And here's where we need to be balanced. It is not up to us to save anyone or even make them followers of Jesus. However, God's plan and strategy has always involved his people. One of the great missionaries of the past was told by a group of people, if God wants to convert the heathen, he can do it without you. And that's true. But the other truth is God has chosen not to do it without his people. From the beginning, as we've walked through the mission of God and the people of God, we realize God has chosen for whatever reason, in his infinite wisdom and in his infinite grace, he has chosen that he is going to use his people to carry out his mission. So while the mission doesn't rest on any one of us, you are not indispensable to the mission. I am not indispensable to the mission. The responsibility to carry out the mission has been given to us. God's strategy has always been for his people to carry the message of the gospel to those who need to hear it. And then finally, every successful strategy is focused on the kingdom. The Spirit will come upon you. You'll have power. You're dependent on the Holy Spirit. You'll be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses and look where it goes, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. By this I mean that we see what we're doing and what we're engaged in is something bigger than just us. So while God has entrusted to Fellowship Mosaic an opportunity in this particular place at this particular time, the work of the kingdom and the mission of the kingdom is so much bigger than us. And we play a part in it. We get to be a part of something that has, that has reached from eternity past, all that goes all the way into eternity future. We get to be a part of something so much 
bigger than us. For the first disciples, Jerusalem had become their home. It was where they lived, they worked, they raised their families, and they carried out all the day-to-day activities of life. Judea would have been that greater area that surrounded them and was filled with people who were mostly like them. Samaria would have been just outside of Judea, and it would have been people who were, they were a lot like them, but there were some significant differences A lot of similarities between the Jews and the Samaritans, but there were some very distinct differences. And so in order to go to them, they were going to have to cross some barriers. And then finally, he says, to the ends of the earth. And this involved crossing geographic barriers, cultural barriers, language barriers. And so he says, this kingdom mission is bigger than just you right here in Jerusalem. And something I want us to note, This is not an either or. You can either go to Jerusalem or you could go to Judea or you could go to Samaria or you could go to the uttermost parts of the earth. Nor is it a first this, then this. He said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and at the same time in Judea and at the same time in Samaria and at the same time to the uttermost parts of the earth. Well, with that in mind, Let me summarize Acts chapter 8, 1, 8 like this. God's spirit uses God's word and God's people to extend God's kingdom. That's the strategy. So how does that apply to us in Mosaic? First, we're challenged and encouraged and equipped to live daily as witnesses of Jesus right here. As we go about the day-to-day activities of life, we do so with our heads up and our eyes open looking where God might be leading us to join him. Where are you working and how do I join you, God? We live in prayerful strategy every day, asking the Lord, show me where you want me to go. Show me what you want me to do. Lead me into where you're working. We look for ways to love our neighbors. We look for ways to bless our communities. And in doing so, we look for ways to share the good news of Jesus. We've even had some folks here in Mosaic who who have left to be part of starting new churches in northwest Arkansas so that we can continue to reach our area, our Jerusalem, our area with the gospel. The second way that this applies to us is we seek to engage those around us who might be different. For example, there are some in Mosaic who sense God's calling, calling you to join him in what he's doing, maybe among the poor or among the homeless. Others have reached out and developed friendships with people in our area who are from other countries. Uh, My friend Courtney Wrinkle is a great example of this. Several years ago, she and and several others of us went on, as a team, we went on a short-term mission to North India. Courtney fell in love with the people in North India. She came back home. She loved that, those people in that culture so much. She moved to a place where there was a whole bunch of folks from India because she wanted to live around them. She wanted to be with them. She wanted to engage their families. She loved them. She even learned to play cricket. Turns out she's the best one on her cricket team. <laughs> Engaging those people who are maybe just one step away. And then finally, how do we at Mosaic do this to the ends of the earth? We have several people from Mosaic who sense God's call for them to go and live in other places as witnesses for him. And I want to tell you about them. But let me kind of set a bigger picture. Fellowship as a whole partners with about 76 global workers or 76 workers representing about 40 households who are directly engaged with taking the gospel cross-culturally, primarily among people who are unreached. Of those 76, 18 are directly connected to Fellowship Mosaic. I want to tell you about those people. So here in the U.S., Eric and Julie Blanton moved down to Dallas, Texas to be a part of Pioneer Bible Translators. Pioneer Bible Translators, uh, their mission and vision is to go into places where people 
do not have scripture in their language and as a result probably do not have a church in their culture. Very little gospel witness. They go into those cultures, they learn the language, often even creating a written language for them so that they can translate the scriptures into their heart language and these people can hear the message of Jesus and come to know him and worship him and love him. And Eric and Julie Blanton moved to Dallas, Texas so Eric could coach people who are going to go. So he works with them, he develops them, he he, um, he helps them develop the skills and, and the life um, tools necessary to be able to do this well. Aaron Babiar lives right here in Northwest Arkansas. You'll see him in Mosaic on a regular basis. He works to support global workers by training them to develop their support teams and then providing ongoing coaching for them on the field. In recent years, he's even had the opportunity to go in some closed countries, I won't mention for the sake of security, where these underground churches are raising up missionaries they can send. And he's training them how to build a support team and how to build those skills necessary to move forward and to to go out as missionaries. In Mali, Africa... Jason and Melissa McMahon and Brandon and Bethany Cole and their, their kids are using basketball as a way to have an impact on the people there. Several years ago, they started going to, to Bamako, Mali and doing basketball camps. And, and they go, as, they were, as they kept going back, they kept saying, God's doing something here. We, we love this place and we love these people. And God's just given us a heart. So, it, so they just couldn't, they couldn't resist anymore. And so they just packed everything up and they've moved there and they're, used, they're doing there what they did here is using the gifts and the skills that God has given them as an opportunity to be a blessing and a witness for Jesus among a people where there are actually very few Christians. Stu and Hillary Lynch work in an area of Birmingham, England where the vast majority are not Christians. In fact, many of them are immigrants from other places um, and they're working in this community, have the opportunity to walk through what they call High Street in their community, the main street of their community. And as you walk down High Street in the community, English is, is the minority language spoken there. And you walk by all these shops, and the signs on the shops are written in so many different languages from all the places these people came from. And they're working to replant an old church that had died, and they're trying to revitalize and replant that church. And at the same time, Stu and Hillary, because they've been at this for about 30 years, they're coaching church planters all around Birmingham. Seth and Kayla Murdoch are living in Serbia. By the way, they'll be coming back soon. I hope you get a chance to, to engage with them and get to talk to them. But they're, they've been leading a team that seeks to engage the local Serbs and share the gospel in a place where uh, there may be some nominal Christians, but most people just don't know Jesus. They've also worked to, to strengthen and support the few churches that are there in their area. Sidney Fletcher is working with college students in Montenegro the great majority of whom have little or no understanding not only of the gospel, but even who Jesus is. David and Monica Taylor and their kids live in Fethiye, Turkey. David pastors a church made up of expats and Turks, and it's the first Christian church in their city in hundreds of years. David also works with the Turkish pastors in his region to encourage them Uh, and to support and equip them all he can. Turkey is, uh, by population of, and by percentage of uh, Christians in their population, Turkey is one of the most unreached countries in the world. Chadish and Gulden Koschashkin are from Izmir, Turkey, and Chadish is currently in seminary here in the United States. And the reason for that is so he can return to Turkey and equip Turkish pastors who have limited access to Bible and theology training in the Turkish language. Stephen and Melissa and their kids living in Southeast Asia, where they run a business and train local leaders uh, how to share the gospel and plant churches. And in the years they've been in this, in this country, um, to see what they've done and how God has used them 
to bring light to this dark place. It's just been such an encouragement. This is just a brief overview of the people that we currently partner with in Mosaic. God's doing great things in each of these places and through these people to fulfill his mission. And his mission is to rescue, redeem, and restore. And I didn't have time to go into it, but each one of these, uh, these, these workers, they're using a different strategy to reach the people in, in, in the place where they are. But they're working to fulfill that mission. One day, you and I, with these people, will be a part of a great scene in eternity where people from every tribe and tongue and nation and people group are praising Jesus together and will be praising Jesus with them for the grace and salvation that he accomplished for us and for the goodness of God that invited us to be a part of that mission. So what are some next steps for us? Well, if you want to know more about connecting with or praying for our global workers, um, you, know, you can do the, the QR code or you can email me. Um, and I'd be happy to, to connect you and, and talk, tell you about how you can know more about that. Also, I want to ask you the question, what does it look like for you to live out the mission in Jerusalem or Judea or Samaria or even the uttermost parts of the earth? Where's God leading you? Where are the people and the places that God has opened up to you? There are many ways you can get better equipped to live on mission right here. One of those uh, I want to point out for you tonight is an event for the ladies happening in September. Maybe that's one of the ways that you can get equipped to do a better job of living out this mission. But finally, for a next step, I want us to take a few moments. And can we go back to the slide with the map on it, please? So I want you to look at that map, and I want to take a few moments, just right where you are, and would you pray for these people and the people that they are reaching? People who live in places where it's really hard to find someone who will share the gospel with them. People who are living places where it's really hard for them as believers to live out their faith. So would you just take a few moments to pray for them? Would you stand with me? And as we close, I want us to pray the Lord's Prayer together. And hopefully as we've gone through this study and prayed this prayer repeatedly, you've seen so many different ways that this prayer speaks to our hearts. So as we pray, thy kingdom come tonight, uh, would you pray that in all of these places where the gospel is not, that God's kingdom would go forward. So pray with me. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. God bless you, Mosaic. You're dismissed.